Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I was actually reading your uh, about me on your website. Okay. Very extensive. Is it okay? Very extensive. Because, I mean, like, not, you would think that when you go on, you know, your website, of course, you still want people to know who you are. Yeah. I was thinking I was going to go in there and just really hear about art. But yeah. in your bio, you actually broke down you yourself as an individual. Sure, but yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, right on. Because, I mean, I mean, let's just start, like, uh. being incarcerated. Eight years? Is that what yeah. you served? Uh, pretty much. At the end of the day, it was just about eight or close to eight. So it was uh, my original sentence was 11 years and four months. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So with that, like, what, what was year it? was this? Uh, 2011. 2011. Mm-hmm. What was that feeling that moment when they said this was the time that you're going to have to serve? What was that feeling like? You know, like, uh, I, I knew because, like, pre-sentencing was maybe, like, nine months or something, right? So I was kind of already um, at terms with it, you know? But And then um, it was like the prosecutors, they, they, they uh, how do you say, like, they escalate and embellish the stories and make everything, like, sensationalized to make it appear, like, way worse. And, I, and, I, and I, one thing that was, like, a blessing is uh, they kept saying, my, my lawyer would say that, Oh, you got one of the most like lenient judges in the the whole district, you know. And so I was like, okay, cool. But you know, when I did get the the thing prior to like even signing my my plea agreement, it said you know uh, mandatory ten. So no matter what, you're getting ten, right? Wow. Was I you already signed on the line? So it's ten or more, right? And then they have this thing called the pre sentencing report. And it's kind of like what the probation uh, department submits to the rec- recommendations of what like someone's sentence should be, you know, like, okay. so, so the judge has like a pre bio himself and he'll look at the person he's going to sentence that day. Right. And so on mine, it came back and the suggestion was 30 years. Oh my God. I kid you not. That's what they said. Even more time. Like, yeah, it said 30 years. It said, we, we recommend to the court that this guy gets 30 years. And I was like, that's fu- That's really insane. I've never been, um, this is like uh, a first offender, you know? And so uh, when you say like, was I traumatized? I guess not. At the end of the day, the question is really kind of like a no, but probably leading up to it, like when I when I received that report from my lawyer, like pre-sentencing, you know, and I was like, wow, that's more than like a murder charge. Like yeah, you're kidding me, definitely. you know what I'm saying? And so that has to sink in when you go back to your cell. So when I get that information, it, the, it, the way I could set it up for your visual is um, I go on like a lawyer visit and I'm waiting to be sentenced in like a pod, you know, whatever, in a federal pod. Definitely. And so they, oh, you got a lawyer visit. And you go out and then the lawyer says, hey, by the way, I got this paperwork back from the government and this is what they're submitting to the judge. And I was like, oh, let me take a look at it. You know, and I was like, oh, so 360 months is what, you know, three, uh, 30 years is. God damn. And so that's what their recommendation was. And it just didn't like, wow, that's just an insan- insanity to me. So after your hour meeting, then you have to go to your cell and just like sleep on that. You know what I'm saying? And well, even just you don't sleep, right? Honestly, I didn't sleep. Yeah. I didn't sleep. So I would listen to like this talk radio all night. 
and just like fucking just marinate on what was like you know happening right and so all you all in the moment you can do is just kind of like pray about it you know and at the end of the day it was really just the government being extra dirty and really trying to almost like how do you say like uh make themselves look good like by oh they got a big fish and and it makes them like they might get bonuses i I truly believe these people get um whether they confiscate let's say a million dollars from someone right yes sir and let's say the particular agent who did that he might not get like a lot of money but he might get an extra five hundred thousand to his check And, and i'm willing to believe that that actually takes place i mean i don't know to be certain with you but it just seems like Sometimes the way these people go after people, it's just because they want to take everything they have. I believe that. Agreed. Yeah. I believe that for sure. <laughs> um, you served eight. So, I mean, you did your time. Were you a big fish? Well, I mean, I I, I think when I was uh, rolled up by the feds, I was probably the biggest weed dealer in the States. Okay. Yeah. So, you, you yeah. Mr. Bubba Kush himself, y'all. Yeah. I mean, of course, I'm, I I got caught, right? So maybe there's someone out there who hasn't and they could try to claim that fame. But so just to kind of like say where it was in the moment, um, I had um, taken clones from uh, L.A. and sent them up to um, Canadians, right? And the Canadians was a motorcycle club. So it wasn't like one person. <laughs> it was uh, a network of people. And everyone from the club took these Kush clones and started growing them in massive, you know, like, you know, 100, 200, 300 lighter places, right? Which is unheard of at the time. Maybe now they do that in today's legal market, but not many complete people had 300 lights up and 400 lights. And, and because it's a network every week, they're getting like a thousand pounds are being pulled and, and being pushed back into the States. So once I gave them those clones, I was probably getting maybe four to four to a thousand pounds almost weekly, sometimes twice a week. Like (laughs) I would catch, uh, I call it catching when a load would come all the way into LA from, you know, Canada. Okay. And, um, on a general basis, it would be maybe 1700 would cross the border. And the way our, the organization worked is it would stop in Washington and everything was itemized. It had colored tape on it and like a serial number. And it would say like the I'm red tape with number 356. And out of the 1700, I get 500. That's how big like this organization was. Wow. And so it was like sins over here and maybe Jamal's here and this person's here. And so, but on a regular basis, I would probably get like three to a thousand pounds, 300 to a thousand pounds a week. Did you smoke it? Oh, of course. What? Yeah. Yeah. You know? What? Well, I mean, some you know, some people in Canada. But there was times in my life where um, I was like completely sober, and and I did help um, my my like entrepreneur, um, you know, hustle. Yeah. You know, I do think it does take some time to like the whole production of smoking. Mm-hmm. You know, what made you want to go to the uh, Canada? So out of all, yeah. Um, the way it worked is I, I I was here in the South Bay area of like Manhattan Beach and, and um, Redondo and whatnot. And so these areas, I ended up linking up with somebody when I was younger and he was importing um, hydroponic bud from Canada. And when it would come, it would It just have, reminds me of that movie Kid Cannabis. Have you ever seen it? I have not. It's I've pretty heard funny. About it. It, comes yeah. From, yeah, it comes from Canada as well. Yeah. So just hearing this story, so, I didn't know mm-hmm. Canada really grew great weed like that. Oh, yeah. No, a lot of people would call it Beasters or BC and try to like talk down about it. But they they did some incredible weed and it was manufactured on a large scale. 
more so to like people here in that time. Uh-huh. Like if you go to your bro's house, like he's not going to step up and have 500 where you can just be like, shoot him to you. Right. You know what I'm saying? In this particular moment in like 2007, right? Right. People might be local growers and say, hey, I got a 20 pack, but at that time, you know? So, um, a friend of mine was like rolling hard shooting, you know, work to me. And even when it would come, there would be so many different names, you know, like G13, Juicy Fruit, Sugar Shack, um, Hash Plant. I mean, all and, and this would come in one bulk load. And so I could roll over to my homie's pad and just be like, hey, man, it's like Amsterdam, you know, like <laughs> I got fucking 17 different kinds. Like, what do you want to do? And even people that purchased on small levels, I sometimes would take a vacuum sealer and it almost looked like those ice pops where that like I had like a fucking strain here, a strain here and a strain here. And it would be like seven different like vacuum seals. Wow. And it was just because the person was going to get like a pound or fucking a couple pounds. Right. And so that way they had like every flavor that mm-hmm. was in stock, but not on like the major level that I had it. Like if I had 20 of G13 and 50 of hash plant, you know what I mean? Then each person would get a little bit. And so it was, it was rocking like that for a while. And this person was very like by the, um, he had a lot of rules, like, you know, to be low key, you can't be flashy, you can't do this and that. And so I feel like that's a key <clears throat> when you're trying to, uh, yeah. And it was a good, like, um, like learning experience. And then he, he was a, a grower as well. And I watched how he moved and, and he was doing very well for himself, like, um, financially. And so then at one point, um, his Canadian plug just completely fell off. Like, I don't know what entirely happened, but it was just over with. And at that moment, I had already had maybe like two or three other Canadian plays, you know, like just like if my dude wasn't on on a Thursday, then maybe somebody up the valley, their Canadian was on on a Thursday. And so I I still had some or still had other um, plays. And so uh, I eventually started to uh, work with a couple guys in Seattle who were because they were on the border up there. Mm they were more hands-on. And so eventually I just started making trips and, and I would go to like UFCs in, in Las Vegas and meet these Canadians and have business meetings and then start to fly to Canada and even um, like handpick what I would want and even have like board meetings of cannabis board meetings. Like, okay, so the packaging, I want it to be like this. And if it's not sealed properly, like I had some bad ones where one time they put a whole thing of lettuce like a whole, you know, sheet that's like this big of lettuce on what it was like, um, almost the size of a record. Right. And they would come in maybe two sealed, um, vacuum sealed packs, commercial sealed. Right. And they put the lettuce on there and they ruined like a bunch of weed by the time it was open, what was underneath, like directly, it was like just wet as all could be and soggy. And, and then there was, you know, other times where, um, maybe it was too wet. And by the time you dried it out, you, if you're doing a hundreds of pound and you're drying it out, you're still going to lose quite a bit. Definitely. And, and that loses money, you know? And so, so we would have conversations where there might be like seven of us in a Las Vegas, like, you know, dining room table. And, and, and this guy's up in the packaging department of their crew and he came. And so it was, uh, it was pretty epic the way we would, uh, you know, maneuver with it. Yeah. What was the, I mean, just to capitalize off it, what was the favorite part? What was your favorite part around that time? Like, what was around that era? Mm-hmm. It's a whole different era now, you know what of I'm course, saying? Of course, yeah. What was your favorite thing about doing doing it around then? 
I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, like some of the lifestyle. He did his time. He did his time. He did. So the lifestyle that, you know, um, the I, I really set myself up and I, and I, it was like incredible to uh, how I was able to work this insane amount of profit. So let's just say nowadays, I, I don't know because I, I don't, I don't, I don't sell weed nowadays, but some people, I think they might even make as low as like $50 on one pound. Right. Yeah. So back when I was doing this, I would make like 1100 on one pound, 1200 on one pound, right. Times like however many pounds I could get that my hands on that week. You A lot of people I mean? right now are like, yeah. I'm doing it wrong. No, yeah. Doing it wrong. Freeway. I'm doing I'm it wrong. Yeah. So, and the reason I was able to do that was, um, so I happened to roll up to the, like, just drop off some, some regular hydroponic that I had, uh, at somebody's house up on Melrose, just regular business. And he's like, Hey, I got this Kush people up here by that. They don't want this fucking Canadian, blah, blah, blah. And I hung out for a few hours and blazed with them. And I watched a couple of people come through the, like back then it wasn't a trap. It just came through the house, you know, <laughs> but they come through the pad and, and they were buying expensive stuff, you know, like, almost like $7,000 for a pound of Kush. Damn, damn. And I was like, what? That's insane, you know? And at the time, I think I was selling mine for like four grand to this person, right? And uh, maybe even like 45 or something, you know? But still getting pretty decent, good for like exotic hydroponic, you know, herb. Yeah. So then um, I just like couldn't, I was so shocked, right? So I started figuring this out and I started trying to get some off of this person. Like, hey, where is the Kush, you know? like. And then I started saying, you know, like, who's got clones of it? Because I myself was starting to dabble, like, as a, um, as a grower, right? Mm. Eventually, I, I gave that up because they just guys just flooded me with so much already finished product. Like, why, <laughs> why even spend the time? Exactly. It's just like, but at one point, I did, like, dabble in it. And I told them, you know, like, let me get some of these clones. So um, I ended up giving them to the Canadians. I was able to um, – acquire some here in LA and I sent them all the way up to Canada and it took about maybe nine months and then they started really fucking like shooting just hundreds and hundreds but um that's hydro right still mm -hmm, yeah and so what at the moment I even told them when I gave them the clones I'll pay you more and I told them that this is like a Ferrari this is like um Louis Vuitton mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? What I'm giving you is ultra high end. And they said, you know what? We don't want any more money. We just, as long as you move more, we're cool with it. Wow. I, and wow. I was like, shoot it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> shoot so it. That, Send yeah. it over. Yeah. So they didn't entirely know. And as I started to even do more and build more with them, uh, my price came lower. So I was probably somewhere like 2800 or 3200 is what I would pay for a pound yep. of like good kush and on these levels of like hundreds of them, right? And then when I started getting them, even when I first hit LA market, people in LA would pay me 5,500 and, and it would be gone in two days. And then even if one of my bros hit me and, and he missed out, cause I was like, I was more hands on that day and I would rip around myself in that moment when it first hit the scene, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Pre-incarceration sort of thing, right? Yes, sir. And so, um people would hit me and get like mad at me. Oh, that's messed up. Don't forget where you came from. How are you going to leave me out? Like I'm your boy. And it would just be gone. And in this, like I'm saying, so I was getting them for like, let's just say three grand and turning around and selling these things for so much money where it was making so much. I started even like kind of telling people I was paying more and like sharing them to where 
they thought they were getting a higher percentage. What I was saying, like I would make uh, like a thousand or twelve hundred, because sometimes I would even say, "Hey Jamal, I could, you know, make it to where you could make this much if you can get some people, so I can acquire more of these, you know, sort of people that pay those numbers." Yes. Yeah, and then um, salesman, and then eventually, what happened was the medical, um, you know, commercial buildings all started to pop up. So a lot of what I was doing was before these dispensaries were even like starting to like show up in, you know, LA and whatnot. <clears throat> and right. so as these dispensaries started popping up, then, then the market of Kush just like completely the price point just like tanked. Mm -hmm. Right. And then at that point, Everybody somebody wanted purple now. Yeah. I don't know what really, maybe if it was flooded or really what drove the price that these, these shops did it. Yeah. And then, um, uh, somebody hit me up and just said, you know, hey, I have I have a crew in Detroit that I was incarcerated with and they're a good group of like uh, like a gang, you know, Respect. and um, that we could flow to them and we could charge them those type of numbers. So I started shooting it like my first one I shot to Detroit was like my first real out of town other than just like going to Vegas here and there with a couple of people. Right. Um, or maybe that wasn't the first one, but that was like my first really get consistent and start to like send it there, you know, on a regular. Oh yeah. And so, um, uh, once the LA, you know, uh, medical crashed the market, I shot it to Detroit and I was able to get 5,200, 5,500. It was just, can I pay my transportation to get them there, you know? And then like cross my fingers that the dude doesn't get pulled over along the way. Right. And then fast forward, um, my transportation was a key thing in, into me evolving into like, so at one point I would sell weed in 11 States and sometimes I could drop in multiple States the same day. Like I could say, Oh, I'm going to be in Chicago with the 200 pound drop and I'm going to be in Atlanta all on a Thursday at fucking three o'clock. Wow. Talking and, with the sin master. Yeah. And <laughs> it was because, on. you know, fast forward to the end of my, um, where the feds came and swooped me up. I had three airplanes and I also had um, some a trucking company in the mix. And so even the trucking company started coming through heavy with multiple. They could do two or three in one day. <laughs> My God, Sam. Yeah. Dude, you, you had a business. You had a firm. You had a whole oh, yeah, absolutely. operation. Yeah. It's funny. At one point, like, um, when I think about, like, the boardroom of the, the people that was the plug, even my, my under uh, workers, I had a crew in Atlanta and... Um, I even like paid them to do many various things that were outside of the cannabis, like, oh, rent me this house or buy me this boat and hey, go buy this car for me. And, you know, so they would always like help me maneuver. So I was always trying to be ghost through anywhere I went. Like everything was cash. I had seven or eight cell phones and and never anything in my name. And, you know, when I would go to a hotel, I would never check in with my own credit card or my own name and, and all of that, you know? See, you was moving moving smart. I mean, so that's what I was going to ask you, like, about the times now. It's like, even back then, the era is different. Tec technology wasn't as, as advanced as it is now. So it's like, sure. I mean, it still was, but I just... I like hearing these type of stories. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My, my, my dad, you know what I'm saying? He, he did his thing. He did his time and whatever he was doing. So it's like I grew up on certain type of stories. And just to hear you in that. And also, I, my mom's from L.A., so I, I, I grew up hearing his dad's stories all the damn sure. time. For sure. Absolutely. And so just to hear you, it's like, man, it's like 
it's almost like a fucking net, not Netflix series to hear this type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you know. Because not everybody can hear hear what we're what we're hearing right now. Of course. Especially in vivid description that I'm thankful that you're giving. So. Man, likewise. Age-wise, were you in your 30s when this was going on? I, I was. So yeah. I think when I eventually got rolled up, I was probably like maybe 36 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So what were you doing before the, that good 10, I would say 10-year run that you had? Like what was... Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I, I just... I, so I grew up in mainly in Manhattan Beach when I was like, uh, you know, kindergarten through high school. So that's a very like a, um, affluent, um, you know, area. So when eventually started making money, I, I was able to like buy my own home as an adult. And I moved back into Manhattan Beach and I was, you know, I had like a good lifestyle. I, you know, doing sports. I always like X game stuff. I was riding Harleys okay. and and what you was know, your Harleys that you had? So mine was a soft tail deluxe. Okay. So I would really just kind of kick it with one Harley. And then I had another street bike, which was kind of like, it was a two stroke. So it was like a specialty, you know, not really, it was like a more of a race bike, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so I've always been like a motorcycle person, but you know, pre like running around the streets was just like, you know, living in nice homes and uh, on the beach sort of thing, you know, and uh, snowboarding and, and doing other sort of stuff, you know? I asked the question just because, like, I, I wonder, like, was the drive always to, look? was the hustle always there to want to do more? Is that what, like, led you to the opportunity? You were dipping and dabbling in the cannabis space and just hanging out with the homies? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how did it end up leading to um, that? I want to know, like, did you grow up privileged or unprivileged for you to go into the field that you... So, you know, well, my dad was an entrepreneur. My dad owned uh, a lot of dry cleaners, right? My But my parents were divorced and... Uh, really early on, even at like the age of five, my brother and I like lived with just my mom. Oh, but wow. then my dad would pick us up like every other weekend. And so my dad was doing um, well for himself in the sense that he would open these um, businesses, but he was reinvesting his money to open up new ones all the time. So he wasn't like, although when he would pick us up, he always had, you know, cash in both pockets, you know, like like wads of money and, you know, mess with you. Like, if you can take it out of my hand, you know, you can have it. But he also was like <laughs> very strict when, you know, other people I grew up with in, in, let's say my high school, when they become 16, all these kids are driving Benzes and Beamers and all that. And, you know, then I go to hit up my pops and he's laughs at me. Like, you got to buy your own. Like, I'm not buying you that. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, my money isn't your money, son. Yeah. But although I did, work it a little bit. So he had one cleaners that was close to our house and um, it had like a little computer back then on the register. And I would go there pretty much every day, like it was my ATM. And I wouldn't just take a, a lot though, right? I would put a note in there, I owe you, and I'd take 60 bucks or 20 bucks. And that was, I guess, my affluent life, you know? Like, but I wasn't like handed like all of these, you know, things and, and like large tr trust funds and, and it'll go to college. Like my dad hustled and he kind of just looked out for, you know, like living a decent life, but not like this ultra um, sort of thing. So me, I, I worked at the dry cleaners yeah. and then eventually <clears throat> um, my dad had, we had sand rails and dune buggies and dirt bikes and stuff like that. And he had rented um, a separate warehouse and it just warehoused the, the, the buggies. And I hit him up and said, you know, I learned about like this friend of mine had a, an automotive detail trailer where he'd go to their house and, you know, I'm like 17, 18 and he'll like whack some cars and make, you know, a couple hundred bucks. So then I was like, 
was like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm over here like working at my dad's cleaners and, you know, just like a young high schooler, but I still sold weed in high school, you yeah. know, like just to even like get a couple for the, my own self, you yeah. know, get my own little head, um, smoke. So um, he eventually said I could utilize that property. And even though it was off the beaten path, I started like a little detail shop. Okay. And then I, and then I went to trade school and became a window tinner. And then as I started tinting windows, I, I went and rented my own shop, like around the corner. And then I brought in like an electrician to do, um, uh, car stereos. Yep. And then eventually that just started bringing in like dope dealers. Cause now, now my shop, you know, I'm a little older, I'm probably 23 or something like I had it for a minute, but, um, you know, people are coming in and they're getting like alarms and detail and window tinting. And then, oh, this guy sells weed and this guy, he wants a full sound system. And so then you start to see when people are coming in with a Porsche or, you know, so that kind of like kicked off a little bit more of like, you know, the riffraff. Yes, and sir. so ever since it's almost like I had a hood car wash is what I had. <laughs> to an extent. Yeah. To so an, it, yeah. I, and it was in like Lawndale, which is a little border, you know, like hood from the South Bay. And so um, I just started selling weed out of my little car stereo shop. And, and from there, this is history. Yeah. And then it, it just, I led into, I've always been in some, like some degree criminal underworld, like whether even like when I was super young, I would even go to like downtown LA and get like the, the fake Rolexes with the actual, you know, swooping yep. and go buy like a dozen of them and go around to my homies and try to sell, <laughs> you know, stuff. So I've always been like hustler. some like hustler in, in different ways, you that, know? That's a question I had. How did you enjoy that money when you had it? Like not, not to say you don't have it now, but like, yeah. you know, like when it was going crazy. Yeah, no, it was like, so uh, I, I reinvested into like the business as well. Like I, st I bought, you know, like an airplane in order to make the transportation <laughs> you better. Know, I just bought, bought an airplane. airplane. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, and, you know, well, the pilot kept like, my pilot initially had his own and, and he was like, it was a Cessna and he kept referring to it as a putt putt. And he was like, it doesn't get above the clouds and like, you got to gas up a bunch. And he kept saying, you know, I want to do better for you. And I kept telling him, hey, I want you to go to East Coast. And he was like, oh, man, like, so at this point he was hovering around like Atlanta would be the furthest. And I wanted him to go all the way to like New York and Maine. And he was like, man, because if you leave California and you're going to all of these drops and it takes almost like 10 days to come all the way back a few days there, do the drop, wait for paperwork to come back a few days back. Like, so it takes a while. Yeah. And in the moment, I didn't want these plug guys to even know that I was operating out of state. So initially I would even just tell them that all of this work was being distributed in my backyard. And so it made it difficult when I'm shooting it so fucking far, you know, uh, to have this delay. Yeah. So eventually, you know, the plane was only 170, so it wasn't, you know, a whole lot, but we did pay <laughs> cash. <laughs> he said, but we did pay. But uh, I the, it's, the, oh it's, it's the fuel and the, the, the pilot that cost the most on that. Yeah, right? well, no. dude, I feel like I scored when I was saying how much money. I, I So at the end of the day, like <clears throat> the pilot, he wanted to purchase the plane for himself, but he didn't have the money. Okay. So the first plane was his, but he kept saying, I want to do better for you and for the crew, you know, so let's, let's do it. And he was like, you buy the plane. And every time I run for you, I'll, I'll pay back some of the 170. Oh, wow. You know, but in the end of the day, he wasn't necessarily paying it out back, but 
I was like fully beating him up yeah. on the price. He just charged me per pound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I think it like in order to just even put it on the debt, I think it was like two hundred dollars on a pound. Oh man. Oh, so man, if he man. had a four hundred pack, you know, going out, he was getting two hundred times four hundred. Right. And then all of his expenses. So he would come back and say, Hey, the hotel, the rent a car, the airplane gas was six G. What would you have you know? paid? Like if he hears you saying that, like if what no, would you I mean, pay? like yeah, I mean, it just seemed like so crazy to just pay a hundred or two hundred. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll pay that to the homie to go three blocks in his car, right. and and this guy's He's like, in a plane. And, yeah, <laughs> and he would tell me we would talk about the plane thing sometimes, like. Yeah, but, yeah. See, but still, though, that's, that's, yeah. that's maybe a little bit more. I know it's negotiating in that factory. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of wins that go in between, but still, it's ah, that's a little low. And so here's a, an and interesting... he probably wasn't doing nothing else with his... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, right. How much does it cost to fill up a plane? So the the oftentimes, like, his expenses, I remember, were a little always like seven, eight Gs, mm. depending on where he went. went. No, he'd come, come both, both back, back, you know okay. what I mean? Like, hey, I went to Atlanta and I went to Chicago and Detroit, picked up, came back. And then, you know, the whole, you know, rent cars, everything was in there. So he was getting the 200 plus expense. Okay. I heard yeah. Elon Musk say, you see in the world. most drug dealers know how to run an efficient business more than people that went to Harvard. <laughs> And if it, it kind of sounds like it's true right now. <laughs> I know people that went to Harvard that probably still haven't seen the type of money that you've seen. Right, it's, right. It's, yeah. it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. What blows my mind, though, geez, that you, this whole story, and I ain't heard him pick up a brush, a, a, a can to spray, you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, right, like, right. Like, how did painting get involved in all of this? Yeah, so eventually we'll just, you know, fast forward. I eventually um, was, like, sentenced, you know, uh, to federal prison. And um, I, I was I started off in Atlanta and you can request to get, um, you know, move closer to where you live. And I lived here in, you know, the L.A. area. So um, I requested to leave Atlanta and I made it to a prison called Terminal Island, mm -hmm. which is in um, San Pedro. And it's considered Los Angeles County. I think, you know, the, the police there is the L.A. Yep. And so um, I eventually made it in there and they had like a, a program where it's you don't paint like in your your jail cell. But you can go to a building during like recreational or, or yard time hours, <clears throat> and then they would give you a, um, a paper catalog, and you could look through there and get like the item numbers and say, I want to order this canvas and this brush. And then you have like maybe a locker that's like this tall, and you have your own little padlock on it with your combination. That's you nice. know? Yeah. Cent. So you could keep like paint. And then on every Wednesday, they would have a mail out. And you could, if you made some artwork, you're allowed to mail your artwork home on Wednesdays. You know, so yeah. this particular hobby shop was, uh, they had ceramics um, and then leather and then like an art department. And it's just like a big open room with like large countertops like this. Yep. You know, all through. So inmates might be in there like this guy's making leather and, and he's in the leather section, you know. But so the cops really don't, they don't want, like if Jamal makes leather and I'm over in the paint, I come over and now I'm hanging out making leather. They're like, hey, you know. Uh. So, but as oftentimes I would sometimes try to get with the the leather guys and make leather part, you know, um, artwork as well, you know. So um, once I was incarcerated, I literally spent probably a good six years every single day painting. Wow. You know, and so... 
you go through the times where people would come and paint next to me and maybe they just started like, oh, I'm just, you got my locker this week, you know, because you have to put in a waiting list to get a locker. And if someone goes home, maybe then you could get a locker, you right. know what I mean? Because they're kind of like hemmed up. And so anyhow, people would try and then they you would- had the same locker for six years? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then people would struggle and and they would, because they're a beginner, you know? And, and then they would say, oh, this isn't for me. And then they would just not come. You know, so they might have a hobby locker and you're like, fuck, that dude doesn't even use it. He should give it to someone that does use it. Right. Or maybe he just comes and uses his locker like once or twice a week. But there was a, a pretty decent group of um, of inmates that would go every single day. Yeah. Like I would do my uh, morning workout and then after like they would let the yard back out for lunch. Every time they let us out, I'd just be in the hobby shop. Minding your own business. Yeah. And so when I eventually um, hit the hit uh, to leave home, I had about like a hundred or so paintings at my parents' house and my dad's house. Uh, I don't want to fast forward. Like in this time, are you doing it because you're lo you love it, or is it because it's just passing time by? So uh, like it started as they, I, I was in the prison, and they like my counselors called me in. They call you in like every couple months, and they tell you they they refer to it as programming. And as if you're not doing any sort of like education or, or like, uh, pro like whatever programming. Right. And so he's like, Hey, you're not programming. And in prison, you're also supposed to have a job. And, and people, <laughs> I was like, you got to have a job. job. Like, you kidding me? Like, yeah. time out. Like, nah, you guys already put me here. Like, I'm not doing that. So um, <laughs> often people, they, fa they fall for the okie doke and, and they work. And, but I didn't work. I eventually like just gave my job to someone else and said, I'll catch you my check or whatever, you know, or I find ways to like, you know, how people the sign in master. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that. But, um, so, uh, they had, when he told me I started programming, I was like, Oh man, what do they have here? And they had an oil painting class. And so I was like, Oh, I'll sign up for it. And then I was like, Oh, they have a, a hobby shop and you could put in for a locker. And so, I did that just to kind of like occupy like my own creative time, you know, and just find something to do. Cause I thought painting was, you know, even as a kid, I would like, you know, draw in class, you know? And then even in um, like high school, when I lived with my mom, she was taking some oil painting classes and like, just said, Hey, you want to paint at my class with me? And so I did paint like a little bit, you know, maybe like less than a dozen you know, before I, I was eventually like a painter in prison. Mm -hmm. But so while I was incarcerated, I started painting and then I started learning more about other artists and like how art, you know, people are professional painters and stuff and started kind of like, you know, trying to figure it all out, make it make sense. And other inmates that you communicate, maybe like if, I, if Jamal's there, he'd be like, oh, I know this. And I'd be, oh, really? And so I started learning about, you know, like series and, and names and branding and and styles and... and <clears throat> the lingo of art. Yeah, and then I just started making art. And from the outside world, I would have my mom was like my Google because I, I didn't have internet. So I would call home and say, hey, um, I just saw this artist or I heard this, like um, mail me some of his artwork. Yeah. And so then I would sometimes even get like outside influence, you know, even if it was like Instagram and I didn't know what Instagram was. I was in prison when it was invented. No, bro, we can see it. <laughs> no, wow. Yeah, that's a true. Wow. You know? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, cool. You know? And so, um, damn, I just, 
I kind of almost manifested painting, you know, because as I started like getting to the point where I had 60 paintings, a hundred paintings, I had got into this uh, beef with an inmate who owed me money for artwork. So I no longer painted for inmates. And even if I was doing a monopoly, like right now and an inmate rolled up and was like, Hey man, let me buy that. And I would be like, nah, it's not for sale. And I would just send it home. Yep. And I knew that it was also a form of a banking, a bank account. So let's say you have 70 paintings, even if they're a thousand bucks a piece, I now have 70 grand. 20, yeah. So yep. I started like thinking like this and started like, you know, even one artist next to me in the hobby shop, when he was going home before me, I would try to tell him this. I said, bro, you have like nothing at, when you go home and you want to be an artist, mm -hmm. but you have no inventory. What if a gallery says, hey, shoot us in my world, a 10 pack. You have no 10 pack. And if it takes you three weeks for one painting, now it's going to take you three months to give them the 10 they want. Right. You know what I'm saying? So and another thing is you got to like learn how to manufacture art and then do it fast and where it, you know, it pops off like, like the weed game. I want to shoot it out, you know, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm shooting packs out of art now. That's Sam, what I'm, you got a lot of artists listening right now. Like, Oh my God, like, <laughs> I know you do right now. Huh. Just the, um, I mean, what was, what was the time in there? I mean, like that was one guy you, that burned you, you yeah. know, fuck him that yeah. took that pain and didn't pay. What yeah. else happened in prison that, you know, what was the, what was the situation? So I'm, I'm a pretty easy to get along with person. Right. And when people like they, you know, you have to like sit in certain TV rooms and show your paperwork and make sure you're not either like a sex offender or you didn't cooperate. And so you run in a good crowd and eventually in the feds, once you're in a good crowd and it's almost like you're in like college and you're just kind of like cruising. Cause I don't, I'm not like a drug addict on the yard burning people. I don't go around fucking lying all about a bunch of shit. Like you can check anything that I talk about and I back it up. So there's no nothing to like really fight about because I'm a cool dude. You know what I mean? So I'm talking about, you know, so I didn't really have those sort of conflicts other than maybe you might have a cellmate who says like, Hey man, like something, the toilet's a mess or you didn't fucking clean the sink or, or don't spit in the sink, you know, or, or various things like that. You could maybe butt heads. One you of know? those guys. Running, yeah, right, I am right. one of those guys though. I ain't <laughs> gonna know? lie. I, 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 and and some people it's when it goes to the cleanliness, like even if you'll have an inmate where you might take like, um, two or three steps in the middle of the night to walk, to use the restroom because yep. the toilet's right there, right next to your, the foot of the bed, let's say. Right. And they'll still put on slippers just because, you know, you're getting back into your bed. Yes. And that's just how some inmates are. But some inmate would just, like, get out of bed and walk in there barefoot yep. and then get their feet back into the bed. And then I, it's like some people don't even think about it. That's, that's gross. gross. That is kind of nasty. So that is so kind of nasty. That is kind of nasty. And so some people just bring it to other people's attention. Yeah. And then some inmates, they don't even stand up when they use the bathroom because they don't, they're like, yo, they can't have no pee. Like you got to sit down. But what some inmates do is you don't sit how we traditionally sit on the toilet. They sit the backwards. Mm -hmm. So like if someone's looking, their backs to me and you're sitting on the toilet. Yeah. And so there's just like things like that. But um, I've seen, <clears throat> you know, a lot of violence, not a lot, but my share, you know, but I, I was able to navigate myself because... I'm a cool cat where I never had to get into it except the dude that um, burned me on the money. Yep. And the reason why that guy did it is because his personality, he's a lame. 
It wasn't because I was a lame. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so what that person, his crime was he was- love uh, the language. He's, <laughs> he's the lame, not me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So he has mental problems and doesn't function as a fucking normal person, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of this in prison and a lot of people. So he was like a Bernie Madoff on a, on a massive level. He was like um, wow. taking people's- um, retirement yeah. people right wow. and it's taking yeah. yeah and he would brag how he had ferrari and a jet but it was other people's money yeah and then when he showed up to the prison he is a complete square corporate blue collar lame and yeah. so then within like a few weeks now all of a sudden when he rolls up like his, his let's just say his outfit right his the pants are above the knee which the homies in prison we don't roll like our shorts like how high above the knees right. like out here you might have these like tight ass shorts above the knee but in prison like no there's no, none of that <laughs> you know crazy. and so and then all of a sudden the the socks are up to the knees and he's sagging and now he's got on like some low kind of glasses oh. and i was like what's going on with this dude and yep. he's trying to fit with our our crew you know and so um he navigated and to fit in more he even started getting like um drugs on the yard you know and what to fit in he wasn't even doing them as much as he was getting he was giving it out mm. like if all four of us were there he would give it all to you yep. and put it on his bill and at the end of the day like he knew what he was doing he ran up his bill hella high mm -hmm. and then he was going to check in and I don't know if you guys listeners don't know what check-in means is if you run up a high debt, then you could slip a kite, a letter into a mailbox and say that your life's threatened and the guards will just come knock on your door in like 24 hours and say, come, come with us PC. and you're out. He's a lame. Yeah. You're leaving the prison. Right? Oh my God. He's a lame. Yeah. <laughs> and so eventually, you know, he owed myself money and he owed other races money. Yep with drug for drug debt. And so it was just a matter of time and he checked in, you know? He, and so, what he did on the outside, he did on the inside. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it is, people's mindset, like drug dealers, they don't often change, you know? And that's why, like, um, even myself, you know, now through art, you just have to kind of find a new, a new thing. Like I shot out packs of cannabis, now I shoot out packs of art. Mm -hmm. So I equate it the same way and, you, anybody can do it. You know, if people feel they're stuck in that, you know, you just have to have, you know, you, you know, like it's somebody, so I heard something on social media and it said it was almost similar to the Elon Musk quote, right? In, in a way. Um, and it was basically saying that if a drug dealer can sell his product into an illegal market where he's not allowed to have a billboard or a commercial or a radio spot and be so, um, prolific at it then how would he do if now he's in a legal company and he can do these things and That's so true. it just you know now that i just you know look at it like that and even with when i was at a high level on um cannabis and i was like shipping it all across america mm -hmm. it's like now i can do that with um art and i can do it in the whole world like it can go to you know london and you know you get what i'm saying and so now that. yeah <laughs> so i just think Right. Yeah. That's true. And so even even to like a people that are legal nowadays and are in the legal game, maybe a grower. And let's say he's on a small level and he's gray market and he just does a little warehouse and pr produces a 20 pack. Right. 
I recently was at a party. He's like, yeah, I had to dump a bunch of my own work for 800 bucks a pound. Damn. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you're a local LA grower right. and you're growing hydroponic and you're giving out for eight. I was like, you should just be a painter, bro. You can sell <laughs> like, as many paintings or as much uh, weed as you just dumped. Yeah. You could probably have served out, you know, $800 in paintings. The game has shifted. Yeah. I had that question. I mean, because even with cannabis, quantity over quality, people are doing that a lot now, spraying the weed, making it look good instead of tasting good or the whole nine, right? For you and your paintings, you're pumping out packs, but are you, is the quality, how are you treating it with that as well? <clears throat> oh, like as far as like um, manufacturing, like yeah. a lot of yeah, art, a lot of art, a lot of art, yeah. Um, well, a lot of it is like a, a little bit of experimental because so in, in prison, it was a different um, thing. I could sit there and it didn't matter how long my art took. Right. So there's pieces that I could I could uh, reflect back and say, man, it took like a month to make that. Right. But now I, I can't I don't have time because that's such demand. If I spend a month on one painting yeah. and art galleries or myself just sold 10 more this month, then my, my inventory is very depleted. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have to maintain a good inventory. So myself as an artist, what I do is I do influx of prints as well. Right. And so. That helps like the downtime. If I can only manufacture an original, let's say four originals a month, now I can put out maybe 300 prints, right? And so like you could, you know, bolster pretty quick with the print market. Gotcha. You're you pumping know? out four originals a month? Maybe, maybe more sometimes. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's so I like when you were asking that, it also has to do with like techniques and skills and, and experimenting. Yes. So as, since I've been out, I, I now um, can network with other artists and, and, and peep their styles. And you go, oh, look at the stencil game or or look at this, you know, clip yeah, art. Yeah, I can and, test. And, and I, I've been to his studio. I've seen him. He's doing like, you know, <clears throat> have two pieces, two originals next to each other that he's like working on them. Like, you know, when he like, um, like a main line. Yeah. Two, two and that's just that line. one little area. Yeah. Know? And I'm just looking at like the little details because I'm looking at the mustache on the Monopoly man behind you. For sure. The thickness, the th it, it has to be, it can't be too small. It can't be yeah. too, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, there's artists that make that mistake. So yeah. I call that the cartoon line, I think. Are you talking about the black or yeah, the white the line? Black. Yeah. So the black line, I call it the cartoon. And when I observe other artists, sometimes theirs is like a pencil. And for me, that doesn't work for me. That's okay if that's their style, you know? But I feel like that that line being a little thicker and it just really accentuates it. And then oftentimes other artists that haven't put in, let's say, six years every single day, right? right. That just go, oh, I'm going to be an artist and I'm decent, but I've been doing it two years. And, you know, the, everything I learned still, you know? But um, uh, a lot of them, I think, make the mistake of there's in the art world, they have like undertones. And so you have to build on these colors up underneath the actual end product, right? Oh. So let's say you're painting the ocean, right? And the ocean has like turquoise and green and, and even like a brown. So you might want to put a turquoise down and then you take a different blue and you make it transparent. You put a different blue and then you could even take a purple. So by the time you're looking through that blue, there's like nine different layers of color, Right. And so that's like called glazing. Yes. And some artists don't even like equate that or know that. And they just think they hit it with one coat and their art is done. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you, you really have to do it like three or four coats and keep, you know, going back and forth on your line to like, I call it cut in and cut back. Like, so wow. if you have a white and black, if you go into the white, then you come wait till it dries 
and then you counter it back and you just keep tightening your lines. So that's why my lines are always, I'm, I always make sure they're like, like really straight yes. and crisp. Yes. Where some artists, I can tell that either they don't care or it doesn't bother them or that's their style. And, and there's those little shaky hands. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. I know what you mean. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I appreciate your art. I'm not going to lie you. to you. It's just, oh, let me talk to my, it's just for me, um, how do you, how do you, how do you pinpoint your price margin on your art? Yeah. How does that work? Because art can be, it's literally like infinity, the infinity logo. It could be anything. It is. Yeah. So how do you. I think that's um, a struggle for a lot of artists because some artists, I think they overprice to where they never, never, never move product yes sir you know and i don't know maybe that happens in any world right i, yeah. I don't know i am speaking from the art you know and what i see currently in what in my profession so uh, <clears throat> like so when i first got out i was in a halfway house and an art gallery hit me up so like when i said i didn't know about instagram i didn't but my cousin made me an instagram while i was in prison so far i didn't know how to, i i didn't have access to it Oh, she was doing all the work or yeah. the work for you? Yeah, I, would, I could take pictures in the hobby shop and they and you would buy a picture for a dollar and then it would come and they they would bring Same it to thing. you and I would put it in the actual physical envelope, yeah. mail it to my mom and then my mom would somehow like get it and they would take another screenshot of it and they started putting my art Uploaded. and telling people, you know, so when I got out, a gallery was like, hey, what's up with this piece? And I'm in the um, a Watts uh, halfway house and I overpriced myself. He oh. was like, he. I had Mickey Mouse on turntables with ecstasy in his mouth, you know? With that, and, and he was like, you know? how much is it? And I think I said like 2,500 and I didn't even know. And you know, I was just like, it was a decent size. And he's like, oh, that's a little bit much for my place. And, and then I was like, oh, okay, no worries. And so I kind of just ended the conversation and I wasn't allowed to leave the halfway house. You have to get like a note and you can only go gone for like an hour or two, you know? So I was sitting there like stewing and eventually I like backtracked to the dude's phone number that was texting me and it was an art gallery and I called him up and I was like, hey, you were texting me? And you know, and I was like, I'm so-and-so. And I was like, what do you want to do? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I want to get this off, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I basically cold called him even though he DM'd me, right? And was asking me a price. And so, and then I was like, hey, listen, you know, like this is my deal. I'm a, I'm a felon and this is what had just happened. And, you know, I'm debating, like, I already knew I had a stockpile of artwork, right? I had like over a hundred. And so I know this going into my conversation with this person, like, I don't want to just sell one. I, I want to sell them all. There we go. You know? Go. And so I started saying like, you know, telling them that my story. never leaves you. Right. Dude. And so I was like, you know, do I tell people about my story? And he's like, man, I, I really like your story because he just absorbed it for like a half hour phone call. Definitely. That's one thing I could do in the phone, in the halfway house was just bullshit on my bunk all day. <laughs> I love it. I, love I it. finally had a phone because <laughs> the whole time people said, some people have phones, but I didn't. Yep. And so uh, I finally was like, so I, and he was like, come through. And I said, okay. And I got a pass and I went to this dude's place and I loaded up like 20 or 30 paintings and I left them with them. And I basically told the dude like, well, hey, you know what? Like, you know your people. I'm going to do somewhat of like just power of attorney and say, sell this pr stuff for any price you want. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, cool. You know, and um, oftentimes people don't know, but art galleries take 50%. Oh, oh they take the whole I did 50? not know that. Yeah. Did not uh, know that. Yeah. Art galleries, when you do that. So 
a lot of artists, <clears throat> you have to have those price points because at the end of the day, the artist isn't getting the full, you know, full amount of money. Interesting. Through that particular purchase. Same with auctions. Um, yep. Yeah. Auctions. Oftentimes, maybe it could be if it's like million dollars or something, it could be a lesser percentage, right? Got you. But for the most part, it's always like a fifty. And so, um, wow. Like the mentality is, I dropped him all this work off, right? And and like later in the week, he's like, hey, you know, can you get a pass to maybe hang out on Saturday? It was the day after like the mega shopping day of Black Friday, like Christmas, like um, Thanksgiving or whatever. Yep. And so I was able to get a pass and I actually told the halfway house like um, counselor, hey, I'm going to an art gallery. I'm trying to pursue myself as an artist. And, you know, I'm doing I was up front and yeah. told him this is what I'm doing. So he gave me a pass. And it was some really cool stuff, like, leading up to it and then, you know, to go along with the price point discussion. Yep. Um, so, he, like, I'm driving there, and he's, like, texting me, how long before you're here? I'm like, I don't know, 20 minutes? And when I get there, there was already, like, he had my artwork for maybe, like, a week. People had already purchased it and heard the story, wow. you know? And then they came and like lined up and like I rolled up out of a halfway house, like, what's up? You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. and I was then there's a line of people and they like, you. yeah. And they're like, hey man, we want your autograph. And I was like, autograph? No, like, wow. what, Damn, what the heck's going on? You know, like, and I, but I manifested this <laughs> yes. pri, pri, leaving prison, but I let this person just like run with it because that's just how I do it. Like in the, in my game of we back in the day, I would front you and people would owe me a million dollars and it was nothing. But maybe like my homie, like Jamal go, I don't know how you sleep at night, sin, because so many people owe you. Right. And some people can't have that on their, in the, you know, but me, I don't that, like some of those things. I just, my mind blocks it out going to come back to you some type of way yeah and so next thing you know like i go that day and or this he's dude's... a sin master he is by his name the sinister <laughs> yeah so that dude pops off like you know some sales and it was a cool fuck you know this little thing and it was a funny story going back to the halfway house they take 20 percent of any income that you make while you're in the halfway house. So you just got 50% took at the art gallery. And then 20. 70%, 70%. Yeah, absolutely, bro. No so way. then the dude goes like this. He calls me and he goes, hey, how did it go? And and I was like, yeah, I did pretty good. And he was like, yeah, how much did you sell? Mm. And, and I was like, yeah, like I didn't know in the moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I sold a few. And he was like, okay, well, we're going to need you to get the check. And they photocopy it. And then wow. you have less than a day to bring them back a money order. You know? Wow. So check it out, bro. I bring the money order back and I give these people their money. And he goes, and I go, hey, by the way, I got another one next week at a tattoo place is having a an art show. And they want me to feature and be there. And he's like, nope, can't do it. What? And I was like, what do you mean I can't do it? And he goes... Well, it's like you're running your own business and you're not allowed to. You can't have your own business. And I was like, that's crazy because the whole point of a halfway house is to get acclimated back into society. Yes, sir. And it's now you're fuck. like hindering me to saying I can't be my own person. Right. I can't be a self-made individual. Like, wow. get out of here. Right. And he was like, nope, no art show. No, and on that, top of that, you paid him too. So it was like, yeah, you're right. him a like come on now. Like, yeah. That so how did how did it last with that guy? Like, did he was he the only So I still did that art show. 
But you know what I did that night was I think I, I said like, oh, I need a, a pass to the mall and a haircut. There we go. And then so what I do is I tell my dad, hey, I need you to go get a haircut. I need you to go to the mall and you're supposed to bring back the receipts. Yes. And I'm going to the art show. <laughs> Dude, you're a fucking smooth criminal. <laughs> smooth criminal. Oh, my. I love uh, it. I love it. But the, shout out to Pops, though. You know hey, what I mean? That's, hey, same thing on the um, you get a church pass. Uh, praise God. So even <laughs> I, I wouldn't make the church pass all the time. Like I'm fresh out. I, I want to go to prison, but hey, Dad, I need you to go get the pamphlet to Sunday church. Yes, I'm gonna go to Jamal's house. Yeah, you know, I make moves I like would, that. I can't be mad at that. I wouldn't yeah. want my son in a halfway house. At least he's out there bettering himself. You know, yeah. it's not a bad thing. E e even even my. Um, my job in the halfway house, I went to my bro's company and he had about 70 uh, employees through his company. It was a construction, right? Oh, wow. Very, very um, um, well off to do um, company that my friend owns. And he was like, what do we got to do? And I was like, hey, bro, I got to get out of this place. Like, they won't let me leave. And he's like, I'll put you on. And so I would say, hey, I'm at work, and I would just pull up at home. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And, Shout out and, your and friends. And then I, I make art, you, you know, because I'm not going to – although at some point I did dabble in the construction because it was like a thing where at one time he was like, hey, can you go help them? And, and sometimes if the – I had to be aware if the probation might be around. So I, he started having – to where I would drive to job sites – but then he just even realized, that I, not to be arrogant, but I was a little too bossy for like that, you know? Like he knows I'm my own individual, mm -hmm. you know? And I gotta like set set myself free to like go instead of like even doing that, you know? He's like- He's like, I don't know, yeah. I don't see you doing all these things. But he was cool, like even like he automatically, as soon as I got out, he started saying, I'm gonna start traveling and give you the keys to the whole op, you know, operation for him. Like, here's the checkbook, the debit cards, pay the employees, okay. pay everything, because he knows I can step in and do that, even though he has all these, like, oh, those 70 guys are like dudes swinging hammers. Okay, we're talking yeah. about him again. I, yeah. I, I want to talk about <laughs> the guy that the first connection you made in the art gallery. Are you still connected with him? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. that's so awesome, bro. Yeah, that, it's a, like a total blessing to have that that particular gallery, like, in my in my corner. And, you know, they, they um, I'm a permanent staple, no matter what. And so even nice. the first year, he said I was the third best-selling artist. And, and I said, well, <laughs> it's kind of lame because I could be number one, but you're giving this other guy that's number one, he's got my prime wall. Mm. Like, ah, he's man. got the best wall <laughs> in the gallery. People Let don't know. Let me have the best Damn. wall. And yeah. that owner was saying every time he does a show, he's making flyers, doing this. But this guy does, like, very, like, crossover into, like, women with, like, hearts. And mm. and it's very touching. My stuff is, you know, doing blow and guns. Right. And, you know, it's just very... Um, you know, it's not so Disney. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There so, we go. That's yeah. a good way to put it. That's yeah. a, I like that. And so I was telling him, like, hey, though, I told the owner, I said, if if we're in, like, a drag race and, and you got this guy halfway down the track because you're giving him a better motor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he goes, well, come in and fucking you take the wall and you do your thing. And But I have not. I said, you know, I don't want to interfere with how you make your money. Like, I know his rent is a lot of money. So I, I go in there and I hang my own stuff, but I'm not going to get so like Bogart as much. But I was just joking when I say yeah, that I'm like cool. coming for the number one spot, yeah, you know, that's and awesome. I believe I could already have had it if my art 
was able to reach into the women demographic, but women don't buy my art. And most people don't even buy my art, maybe even for living rooms because it's so graphic. Uh, I've seen, Shoot, I, I got it hanging up. Yeah. No, I know. I'm saying, I'm saying yeah, a high like, percentage of yeah. population. No, but that's it. a that's a trip. Just to think about because <laughs> like when you're a lot art, of man caves, that's a market yeah. that you realize like my art's not gonna be in everybody's bathroom, kitchen, things like that. But actuality, um, sinister does have a, a extensive genre of art. There we go. But the thing is, he focuses a lot on the Monopoly Man. A lot of his originals are um like his prison work are you know um they're kind of like created you know these are more so you know he he's got the 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 sin he is sinister monopoly so the monopoly man is the the aspect of it that's go. why he uses it the most being able to do other things as well um, yeah exactly oh, yeah, absolutely. but he yeah. has so many different like art pieces and to like touch on your your question about like how to value the art it's also like the materials used like the like so when he says the original that means he finds the canvas whatever kind of canvas he's going to use to paint or you know do spray paint or regular brush paint and then also the brush and the paint the oils i'm assuming right yeah Yeah. all the time i mean there's a huge difference between clicking a print button on a computer and then rolling out you know 50 prints as opposed to like I just spent 40 hours painting this. And that's why Sinister's dope is he'll make an original and then he'll create prints. So you can get the, uh, you can get the same, you can get the same um, image, that same feeling, but it's a print. It's not. Sometimes I'll I'll even add paint to a print. So if an individual can't afford an original, they still get the feeling of, I got one that's got pain, texture, and that their friends, if they want to, you know, fake the funk, they could be like, yeah, it's (laughs) an OG. Yeah, but those are dope. No, I have a couple of them. But it didn't say, I want that one right there. I can't afford that big one, but I can afford the little, you know, smaller one. But you still add that paint feeling onto it. I'm happy as a customer. Yeah. But Sinister, like, also, what makes him dope also, so... Like this one up top is a print, right? Uh, he has it framed. He has it. He probably touched it with something. He'll charge a little bit more. Yep. But right. also, like wall, I call it wall you, ready. If you, wall ready. Exactly. Yeah. If you reach out to him the right time and you like, yo, can I get a a, a piece that's not wall ready? You get it cheaper than right. a wall ready one okay. because the wall ready ones mean that he went took um, took a pack to. To get them all framed, he pick all right. these frames. It's the process of driving he, there, dropping the art exactly, off, having yeah. a custom framer, taking it back to the shop. You know what I mean? There's a process there. So, like this piece, it's, <clears throat> we would ha- he would have to go and get a custom frame for it. Definitely. So you you would be you know if he was to go frame it, he would want time. a different yeah, price, and yeah, that's yeah. just like any other business. You know, if you go and buy some sneakers, and you're like, oh, let me put some leather on them, yeah. and you know, exactly. and you put some gold abstract on it, you're going to want more. You're not going to want to... The same. You know, uh, you're not going to want the kinda, same price for the same... I like uh, There is one that. thing I want to touch on, too. So, like, I've even brought other artists into this one gallery where I gave them carte blanche and said, sell it for whatever you want. Although sometimes they'll text me and say, oh, we sold this. And I was like, I'll look at it and I'll even text him back like, that's way too low. Like, what? 
you know, but hey, thanks for the paycheck. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really get too mad. And I was like, you got to do better. Yeah. Like one day he sold something and it was a thousand bucks. And so that means I only get 500, right? Mm. And, and, and it, was, it was way too low. And he was like, hey man, I haven't had a sale today and I fucking sorry and I did it. And, and, I, and, I, and I let it go, but I did you know, give him some heat about it. Yeah. The very next day, the same exact one was 5Gs. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And I even told him like, look, bro. Like, Come on, yeah. And it's just... not the same exact one, but same size. Yeah. There we it, go. Different image, but same exact size panel, like three foot by four foot. Understood. You would say three foot by four foot should be five Gs. It's not one G. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, but one a thing artists do when they're trying to determine their price is like I brought an artist in and they're stern on the price to the gallery owner. And they say, let's just say, they say, oh, I want three grand. So now the art gallery owner, he has to say, I want six, no matter mm. what. Maybe he can adjust his six a little bit because he's getting more. But, you know, like some of these artists don't leave any room for wiggle room, so they don't make the sale. Right. And, <clears throat> you know, for me, I, I'm willing to just like, you know, let's talk about it because I would rather your art um, be in someone's home and, and rather than me keeping it in, in my place. You know, mm -hmm. people sometimes think like I always have even to, for you guys in the, the podcast, like I always have art, um, art on deck absolutely not no. never like you almost come to my place and there's no art people go all the time and message me i want to come by and check out your art like okay well there's none here wow <laughs> you know what i mean wow and they're like why is that because it serves me no purpose where i manufacture art to have like um you know people come and have a showroom although that recently has changed for me I do now have like an, an art gallery which is like a retail space yes in my art studio but prior to that, I would work in a commercial building and people say, I want to come through and I don't know them. And they think they're going to just come and pick out like one of a hundred images, but it doesn't work like that. So, you know, like my art's always in galleries and out working and I don't keep it or want it. Yep. You know? Can we shout out that uh, studio, your studio? Can we shout that out? Yeah. So the my new place, it's called the Vault, the Vault. Art Gallery. And so it's so new that it might not even register. Like if you're like, hey, Surrey, take me to the vault. Right. But it's on um, Pacific Coast Highway in Redondo Beach. And it's retail. Anybody can walk in. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I will be doing like um, special events, you know, where we'll um, offer like a special artist. It's not just my art, you know. So, so there, I'm featuring it. Um, I did like a soft opening a few weeks ago. And uh, I had over 20 artists. Mm -hmm you know, with their art. Nice. So, and, and I think that's, I like to also bring awareness to that. So I'm an artist bringing, and I'm not bringing up, but I'm also just like collaborating and helping other artists. Where, bringing awareness. Yeah. Other artists through the community of people that make art oftentimes are very, it's all about them and they won't like tag anyone else. They won't fucking put them in their story. They won't whatever. And they almost like keep people down. Right. <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing to me, you know? And so I don't really like go that route, you know, like, man, like <laughs> let's all, all eat together. We could all yeah. Eat, yeah. Yeah. So I see you remind me, like you ever see that picture, picture of the last supper. You like yeah, that guy. Course. You like that guy in the middle. <laughs> making, uh, yeah making it all work right so now like even when i look back and you say okay now i have these 20 artists okay so it goes back to the same time when i was importing cannabis and i had 20 strains so now i'm not just selling my own art right. i'm selling right. 20 people's art and now i get 50 percent of their sale i love uh. it 
I love it. You know it. what I mean? It's a whole ball game. It is like, a, but your life is like a monopoly. Like life, free, uh, life is really like a monopoly ooh, for you. That like, was a good I see one. I like that. that. That is true. Like he's ma- he's making money with anything he does. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, gosh, I'm not I'm job. not like crushing it, but you know, I'm, I'm trying. You know, and I'm still, uh, you know, I put a lot of like my whatever I do back into my stuff. You know, so maybe fast forward. You know, five years from now. You know, um, I'll be like shaking it up a little bit more than I am today. And, that, you know and that's yeah. what I keep hearing from you is you keep putting back. Like that's something that him and I, as as business partners, we know now. Like we gotta always put back in whatever comes in. We gotta put back into the For business. Sure. You know, and like yeah. hearing you say that multiple times, definitely need to find our yeah. way to your art gallery too. So, so well, and he said soft <laughs> opening. We're definitely going to the grand opening. The, the, Absolutely. The, 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 so yeah, that. you can also like backtrack to my even to my IG, which Damn. is. I mainly just do IG, and the reason why is like when I got out of prison, everyone's like, "Oh, don't do this, and don't do Facebook, and don't do Twitter," you know. And I was like, "Okay," so I just started jamming out on, and I didn't really like even mess with those, which is kind of wrong on my behalf. Like at one point, I had an assistant doing that, and then they all messed and locked me out, so I still don't really do much. So I'm predominantly on there under Sinister Monopoly, and you could backtrack through like my bio to get to the gallery. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so another cool thing I have in the mix is um, it's sometimes I don't, you know, like to talk about things like a precursor to them actually coming to fruition or happening. But, you know, I have another gallery in um, we're working on trying to do in the city of uh, L.A. So there'll be a second vault art gallery. There you go. Yeah. So eventually, you know, fast forward, maybe, you know, there'll be these things all over the place. Right. And so oh, we, um, we speak things into existence over here. We like to speak sure. it to the world. So hearing you say that, right, yeah. that's for sure coming true. So literally this new one has only been like open a couple of weeks. There was like three months of like building out walls and, and drywall and all sorts of production of bringing the building up to where, you know, it's functioning as people could like, you know, presentable sort of thing. Right. And then, so now something happened where, um, people that are trying to like, um, bring up this area of Los Angeles with an art community through, you know, why, why have downtown have a bunch of vacant buildings? So they're trying to work with landlords and approach landlords and say, Hey, you know, would you like to take a reduced amount? and work with artists and have galleries and should you maybe rent it in the future then you know we could vacate so there's a lot of that happening and so i'm going to be probably acquiring one of those spaces as well and kind of getting in there and awesome we know a lot of artists too that we love to connect to yeah it's it's cleaning up the area too you know for a vacant house or a a place that's not being used at least it's being utilized for art and then hopefully with that traction it does get rented out by you know people that need a place to live too yeah so And, and for those people that don't know like okay so with the economy and inflation maybe not everyone's got their money up right but people don't know, like you can go to an art event with your lady. Of course, we want you to buy art. But at the end of the day, art yeah. galleries are free. You can go there. Oftentimes we give away free liquor. We give away like some snacks. So it's like, bro, like, and it's like sophisticated. You know what I'm saying? It's like a vibe. Definitely. Like, why not come out to these things? And then at the end of the day, if like a consumer who's not a painter still with people getting all into, you know, Bitcoin and and things like they don't realize too, that even on a small, like minimal investment, like, Oh, 500, if they did their homework and they foreseeably see a future in this artist, 
then this person is going to be like a Basquiat mm -hmm. or a Warhol. Right. And a lot of people don't know that. Okay. So like, let's just talk about a Basquiat painting when they were first, he was alive making them like in person to like sell one to Jamal right now. Yeah. They were like $1,500. Uh, Back then? Yes. Oh, now wow. they're six, 60 million. <laughs> right. Yeah. Seriously. Wow. So Wait, no, like don't, 60 don't, million? Like you're not kidding with someone? No, yeah, they're 60 million. Wow. Yeah. Wow. For like an average... Um, you know, you can get maybe I have a print in the gallery that, um, is under 10 G oh and God. even that's really rare and it's a numbered. So it's like, hey, he's talking it's, shit. He said, I got a number. <laughs> yeah. It's number 81 of 85. And like right now, try to find any out of the 85, like no one's selling them. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So like yes, sir. somebody right now could buy this one that I have cause it is for sale and fast forward 10 years from now, like still they're going to go, oh, well, let me try to get one of those one of 85s. And they're not, no one has one. Oop, because they're not letting it go. Yeah. So people also need to realize that you can attend as a, as a, a you know, person going to an art gallery for free. Yep. And it's just a cool thing. And then if you do your homework, you could possibly, you know, benefit from, you know, making an investment and then also having, you know, cool shit in your house and mm -hmm. creating your house as a vibe, you know? That needs to be, I'm gonna clip that up. That, yeah, yeah. That, that needs to be said. That yeah. needs to be said. I feel like we actually got a good um, a good message out today, Jay. No, I really <clears> think <throat> we can have like multiple conversations with him because I want to go right? in so many different ways. You know what sure, I mean? Like, sure. Because we, we can go deep into the canvas, deep into the art, deep into the just the story, yeah. the testimony, bro. Like I appreciate yeah, you for coming. Thank you guys. E even my this. the automotive part of my life. Exactly. Oh, I did it, see that it, as well. Oh yeah. man, like it's a movie. I was telling Jamal. So like you know, I don't. This was so many years ago. I could I talk about it right, and I don't do it to this day, but. I would run with people that would like work with Porsche, uh, like theft ring. And I could like hit them up and be like, Hey man, I need a convertible top. I need the motor. I need the wheels. <laughs> and they would roll up with a dually and have the, like all the, all the cars in the back. And then I would flip them. And oh, next thing you know, man. my auto shop, I got 20 Porsches out front because Jamal has one. He's like, Hey sin, I want a wide body. Okay. I got you. It'll be here tomorrow. God damn it. So that's like a movie too, yeah, because I was so. flipping Porsche parts with an underground crew, <laughs> and that's a straight-up movie. And I'm probably better than fucking Fast and the Furious. I, I, oh I know you know some writers, but I could put him on with a couple writers. You know? yeah. That's what he needs. So, you know I mean, I wasn't over here fucking hot-wiring, but I did broker these parts, and then I had a shop where I would fabricate new cars. You know, like somebody would we could buy like we call it a rolling chassis yep. and it could be even if it's a salvage title and it just a gutted out porsche and anywhere between a 70 to a 72 at that time it was like maybe like the year 2000 99 i could take a 2000 porsche body and put it on your 1972 whoa and people would be like what and it's all metal authentic porsche parts you know what i mean and, so, and you you really wouldn't know like you wow. wouldn't know man so as far as like Savage. the stories go i mean i lived this underworld like black market life you know and so, ran, wait yeah. so safe to say you are you are mechanically inclined no, I hire people. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I just want to know. I just want yeah, to. We had yeah, an episode yeah. about that. Yeah, we were talking about that. Okay, that's how it all goes. okay. No, it's fun. That's a thing too. That's a funny story. So when I was incarcerated, um, they have this thing called the outside crew, and that's when they feel like you've done a lot of time. They lower your custody level, and it's based upon a point system. So if your points are like oh six points, yep. you can go to a camp. 
right? And a camp has like no fences, right? And so I lowered my points over so much time and never really getting in trouble. So um, I never wanted to go to a camp because my prison was like 10 minutes from my dad and my mom. So I didn't, I just stay, you know? So anyways, um, and it, it was funny because I wasn't even, remember when I told you guys I never worked in prison? Mm -hmm. Okay, at my job, I was on the plumbing crew. But everybody knows Jason's not on the plumbing crew, but he's on the plumbing crew. <laughs> Say, right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I remember that. And so everyone, all these, like, I call them sometimes, I hate to say, you know, they're just suckers in the, in the and they're working for these people. And I'll get to that more when I say, it, like, the federal system, right? Yes. So anyways, all of a sudden you look at a chart every day and it's called the... um. Like, I don't know, I forget what it's called, whatever. You're supposed to be at a, um, a certain place the next day. It'll tell you, oh, oh, 1600, you got an appointment at psychology. Yeah, or something. And so anyways, one day it says outside crew. And I was like, what? Yeah. They switched my job? I'm a plumber. And outside crew means you leave the prison in a different outfit. And now you're like you kind of like next level inmate because nobody could leave the prison but maybe like 10 inmates. Right. You know, and this particular prison had this unique setup and it was like a movie too. So they had residential homes in the back of the prison and the warden, the captain, the executive, and they have like all the staff own, not own, but live in these homes yes. provided by the government. Like the warden probably lives rent free or hardly pays. And it's like waterfront property. So anyways, oh, wow. <clears throat> I go there and the guards, like my first day, the two guards call me in. They're like, hey, man, so you were here for plumbing. We need you to, you know, go do some plumbing in the house. And I was like, dude, I don't plumb. You know, like, that's not my thing. They you know got, me, I mean? got me over here doing <laughs> something else. You know, so, and he was like, well, what do you do? And I say, I hire people and I point my finger. And, you, and I said, I go, I told him, I point my finger and I tell him, hey, man, you missed the spot. <laughs> and, like, and the guard these, fucking laughed at me. And he goes, oh, man. And I said, listen, bro, like, I'm a dope dealer. And I used to build homes even. And I would tell people, I hire every trait. I hire the electrician, the plumber, the, you know, you name it, the, the tile GC. guy, the roofer. I did, I, I built a few homes from scratch, but I don't get in there. I'll go to Home Depot and buy the parts. <laughs> go get the I'll parts. Go to, I love it. I love it, man. <laughs> you know I love you. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like someone's coming through. And even back then I might be like, oh, you can do this for an ounce. Oh, come, I got you. Yep. And they'll, yep. oh, well, I'll mount your TV for an ounce of weed. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So, Damn through that. You yep. know what I mean? So like I had a lot of that, yeah. you know, but I like I'm, I'm really good at delegating, you know, not so much as mechanically. <laughs> bartering, the bar I heard weed that bartering works. Like yeah. 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 I ain't mad at that though. Yeah. This was a great one, man. We appreciate y'all for sliding through. Thank the game. you guys, Freeway. Man. Thank you for the Ali you, bro. This was amazing, bro. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. if we can't work, where can they find you at on social media? Basically the best place is just IG. And you know, I have um, even my own like sinistermonopoly.com. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, I recently, you know, had a web developer and him and I uh, didn't agree on uh, his prices, so he deleted my entire website. Oh my god! And then fucking changed my password. Oh, you don't want to? <laughs> wow! So, so I'm like slowly getting it back up. Like I don't physically even do that, but I, I text the the lady that helps me now. And sometimes I just don't have time in life, you know, for all these things to keep track. So I don't really do much like Twitter and and YouTube. But you know, at some point I will. But I'm so like occupied, like I. 
for one, I, I um, take care of my elderly dad. It's one I look out after him. I run an art gallery and I manufacture art. Like I'm just like, you know, have carry all these hat, you know, hats myself. Yes, and I feel like I can only do so much. So I'm not a TikToker. I'm not a like YouTuber thing, you know. So really just IG and and you know, That's ride we're with me. Come in as a subcontractor. You know? We're gonna come in. You feel yeah. me? We're gonna get you get some more content. I need to get back filming. on my That's own YouTube. Yeah. yeah, no, we you don't know, push you. We don't clip. Is, yeah. We don't got a lot no, of clips. No, in this but even, even with just this, we like we'd love to come out when you're painting one day. You Ooh, vlog up yep. some things. You know, talk in to your you. element. Yeah. In yeah. your yeah. element. Painting at my um. I, I threw an event. Yeah. He was painting at the event. Yeah. Where was that where was that one at? It was in the valley. Um He was doing year. mansion events. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do a couple events. That's a vibe. That's yeah. a vibe. Had Sinister as a um you know, a featured artist. Yeah, we would love to be a So part he of that, would though. get a mansion and then I would come <laughs> through with just a gigantic moving truck and in like three hours the whole house would be filled with my art <laughs> and people would be like hanging and and um that's you know we're lit. doing our thing in there and then i just hang out and blaze weed and, and paint and Hell people yeah, come hey see. man and holler we and, gotta roll one yeah. up and go something like even sure. now i i don't care if i'm even painting while we're talking you know what yeah. i mean it's yeah. just such a regular occurrence you, you can know? do that you, you can can can, tight oh tight. yeah oh mm -hmm. man I that's can't, tight. as soon as i pick up my phone i swear yeah. everything else is this guy is dead yeah He's dead, uh, man. I can't else. do it. I can't do a lot of things at two times or one. Yeah, yeah. I, it's not me. That's not me. <laughs> oh man, Sinister, thank you. You already know, Young Freeway. Yeah. We appreciate yeah. you for pulling up, bro. For real, for real. No, we gonna have Sinister. I'm gonna um, let you guys up. divide this up, but I'll leave these two things with what, you guys. What are we looking at? What are we looking at? Let's see. Oh, no this way. is this right. is just like a spray can. So I take my empty cans, yeah. and I wrap them with various stickers, like a limited roll. Like, oh, I'm gonna do this sticker on 30 cans or something. Uh, okay. Right? Most of the time, this is a canvas base. I paint it. But this one, I just thought I'd kind of keep it generic and just signature. Sometimes, like, a minimalist, like, all white, whatever, is, like, a fun look. So I, I repurpose my cans. Ooh. And this is for people that, like, maybe they don't want to spend thousands or maybe they don't buy a print. But, yo, I can put this on my desk. Or my Hell yeah. One dude buys, like, every time I have one or something. He'll put them on his like fire mantle, you know. It's just like a, a cool thing, right? Oh, that's and so fire. another company I work with manufactures these resin blocks, and so I can do these in various images as well. Hey, the way hey. I look at this. Hey, we Ooh. got we got some shit coming, man. <laughs> you hear it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I ain't gonna lie. If huh. y'all out there buying Funko Pops, stop buying Funko Pops. Y'all right. go support Sinister Monopoly and go, right. go buy the collectibles of these, man. man. We got these. Uh, Sinister's got, Sinister's got leather bags out there yeah. that he made. Well, that that somebody made while he was locked up and that he painted on. He put yeah. real art on. Oh, wow. And like Sinister's got all kind of new merchandise. He's been working so on. So even when people see, brands. like, for me, like, uh, the merch is, like, very limited. People always say, hey, do you do, like, shirts? And no. You know, so if you can catch them, maybe yeah, you guys exclusive. can every there and there. You know, I, I would like to generate some sort of market where I, I look at some, um, I, who who was the, the guy I want to think of his name i think west side, west side gun, gun is one of the guys that's really good at just like i, I look up to as he drops Exclusive merch drop. and he just he puts like art on him patches mm. takes like let's say an um a lakers jersey but um, if you look at sinister's art he's got this the sm that's one of his logos trademark yeah you know he's, yeah and also the the the, the monopoly man and the 
Um, certain position is also one of his logos. Oh, you got a trademark of the... Yeah, so I have one that's like kind of like a, a logo, logo, but I do have the names and everything trademarked, but I, I do I kind of had one with a long time where he had two Uzis. Ooh, you know, I remember like, that. Like, Bro, that's like this is a robbery sort of thing, you know? Yeah. And that one, I, I write that on the back. Oftentimes when people buy artwork, I, 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 you know, autograph the back and put fun stuff on there, and I'll put like, this is a robbery... Or like on this one, I put zigzag your way to happiness. Yeah, you know? zigzag your way to happiness. You know what I mean? And so ah, this is some stuff. Deal, yeah, this is I, a trip. We're gonna lock in so much more. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna lock in, bro. Like I said, we're out Thank here now. Guys. We want to come fuck with you and guys. Hey, anytime you guys uh, want to even you know do your podcast or come to the my gallery, oh. I, I have four thousand square foot property. God, oh, damn. Okay, yeah, 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 for sure. No, we cool. have room we over there. We gotta do some dope event because also and my parking lot functions as an outdoor. Oh. So I have um, projectors on the screens where we can run movies in the parking lot and tacos. And it's smoke friendly. We can smoke. We need to go check that out. Just inside. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah man. Inside. For sure. For sure. We're connected, man. For we sure. in yeah, LA, absolutely. bro. Hell yeah. We can, we can set up something this summer. Bro. I want to say that on camera sometime before the end of the year. Got Do to. one of them yeah. art galleries again. And we'll put yeah. up to the grand opening. I'm not I'm saying yeah, that on yeah. camera, too. One yeah. thing that's cool about the spot that's kind of a vibe in itself, too, it once was a former bank. So it has a vault still on the inside. It, the ultimate saying yeah. the yeah. yeah. Is that why you named it that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. So when people come there, they can take like selfies and sometimes we'll feature different art inside the vault. That's sick. And then I'm working on like um like an art sculpture where it looks like a Federal Reserve palette of money inside the vault. That's so sick. On a bro. side note, the art vault got we will be having some exclusive stuff from Egypt. At the, the near at the future, <clears throat> so we need to. T you pretty much saying everybody they need to they need to pull up Tap at the event. Yeah. 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 yeah, stay yeah. tuned. Yeah. Keep keep a hand. Follow Sinister Monopoly Sinister. right now, y'all. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah Sinister. exclusive stuff. He and stayed, Jamal too. He, if he you don't know Jamal's uh, creating social. art and like, and also you get hit him in time. He'll create a custom piece for you, which Ooh. obviously will be a different yeah. price. Yeah. So in the art world, we thing. refer to it as commissions, and but I you, do custom. You know, work. you gotta be ready for three months to six months. You know, because yeah. he's already got. He's, he had a, a dispensary in Washington that purchased what was it, ten? Oh, 15 as far as pieces. My Oh, no, no. In the end, they got, like, close to, f I think, almost 50. Wow. Oh, 50. In, in Washington? Washington? I, I yeah. only got the Was first that near way. Seattle? Wow. Or is yeah, that in Seattle. Okay, yep. Yeah, That's so, all. like, my old crew... Oh, they're, they're, so they're legal sick. now. That's so, so, yeah, they yeah. are legal now. So, that's what I'm they talking about. They need a PCU in the, on <laughs> yeah. the walls, huh? Hell yeah, yeah. that's so lit. That's so, so they're tight. not like all originals, but they own um, retail stores now. We right? do so have sick. a following base out there in Washington. If yeah. can, can we plug plug them in? Oh, if you can, how so? Yeah, like I, I'm all for is, plugging people in. What's the, yeah. what's the name of where the, where they can find that dispensary? Uh, we can oh, go check this out dispensary your... is called the Joint in Tacoma. There we go. And so the Joint in Tacoma also functions as an art gallery. When you're in there, you can purchase cannabis and art. When you're in there, okay, did yeah. not know that. All right, for yeah. sure, for sure. Not like um like uh I guess it's it's a kind of a concept where you have to scan it. It doesn't ring through their register. You have to scan it off the wall. But it's the concept. Of uh, you know being able to purchase the art as side by side with the cannabis is is great. So it's the joint, and um, the joint owners are, are great people. They um, they embrace my art and support my art, and and so big things coming in the future. Even in Seattle, we're we're looking to do like a um, a brand up there as well. So. Yeah. Hell yeah, some, man. We can't Hell talk about it too yeah. much Stay because yeah, too What's many that? people are, are biters. Yeah, yeah, we don't want if I, you know, cut. 
Cut. Well, you know this shit. You can't bite it because this shit is authentic. It's original. Authentic. That's Hell what I'm talking yeah. about. Kodak said, you know, <laughs> the cloth is cut from. You know, yeah, from the some cloth. of y'all scissors yeah. can't cut that shit. Say the sin master you know, in that. the building, Bro, man. Smoke. Thank you for having me, man. Back. Hell yeah, DSP yeah, 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 alumni, we got this, freeway. We, we got, got sinister in the building, man. We about to stage your boy JG, y'all. You already know it's Jay Jonah. And, oh, you know you guys, I appreciate it. Yeah, oh, actually, you know what? Yeah, one more time. Sign out one more time. Yeah, so it's uh, Sinister Monopoly. Best places to go is either IG or SinisterMonopoly.com. Jay Ross. The IF underscore Jay Ross. The yes, one and sir. only. The one and only. All right, y'all. It's blowing smoke. Get your art now. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut-off? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.